Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. great honor and privilege what a great honor and privilege to be in God's house we're going to be turning this evening uh, to uh, Matthew chapter number 10 it's good to see sister Charlene I think this is perhaps her first service uh, being able to be back and so we're glad to see her tonight amen I can't remember if Tyler was here before with Jen on any of those occasions. No, so it's his first time. It's first time that Dad has been able to be here with Addison in service. Amen. Isn't that weird to hear Dad, Father? Sister Angie says it does. She's shaking her head. You love it, though. You love it. Yes, no doubt. We're, we're, we're happy for them. Amen. And they're, they're family now. And it's grown by one. Uh, so we're so thankful for that. Hallelujah. Luke chapter number 10. I said Matthew 10. Luke chapter number 10. Whenever you put your marker on the wrong spot of the Bible, that's what happens. Just one of those times here today. I lost a button off my suit. It had to be sewed on. I lost the thing that holds my tie. I still haven't found it. I don't know where it's at just one of those times <clears throat> so we take off and land okay I'll just feel alright uh, here this evening Luke chapter number 10 and I want to begin reading in verse number 1 the Bible says after these things the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Verse 3. Go your ways, he says, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. As lambs among wolves. I'd like to take that phrase tonight as my subject matter for the next little while. As lambs among wolves. As lambs among wolves. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, I need you tonight. God, you're able to help us, Lord, in these next few moments, Lord. God, with your word, help us, God, to glean from the scriptures. God, we know, Lord, we have life. They're there written, Lord Jesus, between the pages. I pray, oh God, minister, Lord, to each and every soul, each and every individual. I pray, oh God, carry us along on this journey tonight, God, for your glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church says amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. As lambs among wolves. I think it was here quite recently on a Sunday morning. Uh, it might have been during teaching. I don't really remember. 
the exact placement of it in that Sunday morning service. But I do recall having said something to the effect of uh, that I'm, I'm not typically a reactionary type of preacher. And uh, basically what that means is, is that I just don't typically uh, preach or teach because something in particular is going on in the world or because something in particular is going on in the church that maybe I picked up on or observed. I'm not necessarily a reactionary uh, type of preacher. With that being said, I can't say I've never done that before. I won't say I've never done that. I will not, will not say that at all. But I can say that it is not my, my typical practice uh, just because this or that has happened to preach about it or something happened in the church just to preach about it. I believe there are times, I believe we even have precedence in God's word. I believe there are times to speak up and talk about issues in our, our society. But I also believe this, I strongly believe this as a pastor, that if we will endeavor to convey the whole counsel of God, Every service, morning, night, Wednesday, if we endeavor in just our normal lives of being the church just to cover the whole counsel of God, then all of those other areas and issues that happen and surface in our society will be covered. And many times I have found in my own ministry that those issues are covered or situations are covered before they ever even arose. I have found that many times. I've shared with you little glimpses of even being in series, Sister Margaret, on Wednesday nights and how whatever it is is being taught is intersecting something that's going on. And I started that 10 weeks ago, knowing that that was a God moment that he brought about. And so uh, I believe then as a result that those are even some of the best moments, in my opinion, not to be reactionary, but to minister and for it to somehow intersect something known or unknown. I believe it is important uh, for our church, and I'm speaking tonight when I say church many times this evening, I'm not just talking about First Apostolic Church, okay? I want you to understand that. But I believe that we are living in a time right now that it's important for the church, the First Apostolic Church and the church of this age to be more proactive than we are reactionary. Because reactions, reactions are impulsive. Reactions are impulsive. They, they happen suddenly without, without much, if any, forethought. Somebody responds or somebody reacts without much thinking many times that goes into it. As a matter of fact, I looked up, Brother Mason, the definition of the word reaction. And a reaction is a reverse movement or tendency. An action in a reverse direction. Or manner. In other words, when we are reactionary, particularly as a church, we're almost like the the small boy that's being questioned by uh, his parents. And you can help me finish this dialogue here for a moment. The parent says to the young boy, we'll just call him Jacob just for purposes, and we'll say, the parent will say, Jacob, why did you hit Johnny? And Johnny responds, because he hit me. Amen. See, when the church is reactionary in the world and to the world, all we are really doing is trading punches. Amen. We hit because we feel as though we've been hit. And all we're, we're, we're responding with is a reverse movement in the reverse direction. 
And so I'm telling you tonight, as a pastor, not just of this church, but as a pastor, a part of the greater church, I am a little troubled by the church's reactions during these times that we are living in. There is a sense, as I am picking up on, that the modern church of the 2020 year and of this day and age, they have this sense and idea that the church, the modern day church, shouldn't have to suffer any persecution. The modern day church shouldn't have to go through anything. The modern church shouldn't have to be opposed by any force. Amen. Whatever that force may be, there is a sense almost concerning the church that she thinks herself a little too good to be attacked and too important to be overlooked. Help me today. I know my audience goes beyond these walls tonight. I understand that quite plainly. But this this past Friday, I posted on Facebook myself. I don't get involved in arguments. I don't get involved in, in fights. I don't trade punches online. I don't do that. But I did as I was reading my Bible that morning and read this grouping of Scripture. I posted this as I derived from the verses what I felt like the Spirit laid on my heart. And that was this. That Jesus sent the disciples into the world as lambs among wolves. Let's be careful not to become as wolves among wolves. Amen. In our scripture setting tonight, Jesus is at a particular juncture in the road of his ministry and in in the road of of gathering people under the umbrella of his ministry. He has broadened his disciples. He has broadened the number of his discipleship class, if you want to talk about it in those terms. Whereas before, he predominantly worked with 12 men. Uh, They slept along beside him. They heard his teaching along seashores, on mountains, and under trees but at this particular place Jesus is broadening the base of his disciples and whereas before he worked with them and and he commissioned the twelve at this place in time now he's not just commissioning or working with twelve but he is commissioning and working and sending seventy disciples if I might say in to the world. And there is almost a paradox that takes place here that's related in the scriptures because Jesus is sending his disciples, uh, basically defined as followers. He is sending his followers forth into every city that he would eventually come to himself. He tells them, I'm sending you forth, and where I send you, I will later come. These are his followers and yet he will enter the cities that they lead into it's almost like a paradox it's a, it's an irony in reality because Jesus is following them where they have been sent in many regards the disciple the follower now has become the follower He's he's asked them to follow him, but now he's commissioned them to lead and he will follow them into cities and towns. But before this appointment, before he lets them go and sends them into the world, he wanted them to understand very clearly, amen, what the cost of discipleship, followership, was all about before he even allowed them to be sent forth before he allowed them to lead he had to ensure that they understood what it meant to follow 
Someone say, Amen. Hallelujah. They perhaps innocently let words fall from their mouths. And when I say they, I'm speaking of his followers. I'm speaking of the disciples. They perhaps at different times let innocent words fall from their mouths like this. When they looked at the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you are. Go. Well, folks, that's a real commendable phrase. I'll follow you wherever you go. And that seems to be the picture of loyalty. Man, who would not want to hear to be a leader of a group to hear him say, I'll follow you wherever you go. But that phrase in reality is blind because we must understand where the wherever leads to before we start vowing our allegiance to it talking about where we're living right now because when we profess words of following him wherever then some of the things that we seem or feels though we're experiencing right now amen comes with the whole package someone say amen hallelujah and so we got we need to know where the where is we read in the scripture even concerning the 12 disciples followers of Christ that were intimately involved in him and his life we understand that Jesus lost Judas at the last supper amen he lost everyone in the garden of Gethsemane on the heels of a prayer meeting the Bible says that they all forsook him and fled whenever those bands of men and people came in to apprehend the Lord. The Bible says that he lost Peter for the second time, not just after the prayer meeting, but he lost Peter for the second time as he was on trial and being judged by the high priest. Amen. And yet his words in Luke chapter number 9 for these groups of people and the disciples were this in verse 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Someone reminded me this week of something that I had said years ago in a sermon. And I said this years ago. They reminded me. They said, I said evidently every cross leads to a crucifix. Someone say amen. So with that being said tonight, and I'm saying this for the church world today, we must not be appalled at the thorns then. We must not be appalled at the nails and the mocking and the jeering and the bleeding, if you will, and the piercing because this is the nature of the location of the cross. This is the nature of Calvary. Amen. Its reality is best exemplified not while we're carrying the cross, but while we're hanging on the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. If we follow him, listen to me tonight, well, church family and church abroad, if we follow him diligently, we will arrive at our own personal Calvary. Amen. Jesus, when he spoke to the disciples, he was not mysterious, amen, or deceptive. Whenever he began to lay out to them the cost of our discipleship or the cost of following him, he didn't bait and switch them to make think that they were joining one cause and 
it was quite something different. He didn't do that to his disciples. There was no carrot on a stick that he was dangling in front of their face. He was quite honest with them what they were signing up for. He was quite honest with them the things that they were going to face. And in the last few months, again, I'm usually not a reactionary preacher, but I felt compelled by the Spirit, amen, this weekend that I need to talk about this. I feel like the past few months, the church has responded as though she's a little bit above of what's going on in our world and in our society. People are spouting, well, we're the church of the living God. Folks, that is true, but we're also described as his body. We're described as his body. And I assume in this regard the words of the apostle Paul that said, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He is the head of the church, but we are the body where the nails go through the hands, where it goes through the feet, where the spear goes through the side. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 and 5, for as the suffering, I like this, it says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Amen. I have consolation concerning the Lord because I share in his sufferings. Folks, I'm not wagging around and saying it isn't tough right now or it's not difficult and maybe there's some things that are rightly founded that are wrong and others that are right. I don't know. But this one thing I know, I've joined myself to him. I've become a follower of him. And if that leads to the cross, that's where I must go. If there is pain, if there is suffering, if there is agony, if there is heartache, He didn't trick me into this life. He told them to take up their cross daily and follow me. They knew where that would lead. They weren't bewitched. Notice now, if you will, in Luke 9, I believe it is, before he ever told them to follow him, he told them, where he was going. Here before a little bit. Before he told them to follow, he said, that's our destination. That's where we're headed. You can look at it in Luke 9, verse 22. Again, in verse 23 is where he told them to follow him. But in verse 22 is where he, he shared with them, this is where I'm going. So I'm going to tell you where I'm heading, and then I'm going to tell you to follow me, and the decision is up to you. Based upon where I'm going, whether or not you want to follow. Here he said, here's where I'm going. This is where I'm going. Saying, he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. In other words, Jesus saying, here is my trajectory. Here is my path. Here is the plan. He shared it with them. It was quite plain. But I want to point out the words in verse 22 that jumped out to me this week. Here's the plan. Suffering. Rejection. Huh? Slain. And then being raised. Boys, that's where I'm going. Follow me. 
Listen, I don't have to sit on a panel and be a conspirator and try to come up with a conspiracy theory about what's going on right now. I'll tell you just the grassroots of it. I'm following him. I'll just tell you the grassroots of it. I'm following him. And in our text, he is asking them now, in this particular juncture of the scripture, he is asking them not to follow now. That was a chapter ago. He's not asking them now to follow, but he's wanting them to lead. Hallelujah. I asked you to follow me, but now I'm telling you I'm going to make you lead. Because here, no doubt, is the mindset, a man of his majesty. He figures if they'll endeavor to follow me as a lamb to be slain at the cross, then perhaps I can let them lead as lambs among wolves. Someone say amen. Can I tell the church today, this is still our hour. We could have been born in any generation, but God has chosen for us to be born in this generation and in this time. So this is my generation and this is my time. This is the world that we're presently living in and this is the dynamics of its surroundings. Can I tell you the Bible says that Jesus sent those 70 and he knew the environment in which he was sending them. Amen. He knew the environment in which he was sending them. He was sending them among, according to his word, he was sending them among wolves. But as he sent them, he sent them as lambs. Someone say amen. Let me tell you something. Whenever Jesus spoke to those disciples then and told them that he sent them as lambs among wolves, in saying that, he is setting their expectation of the context of the surroundings that they would be ministering in. Uh But at the same time, Brother Fred, also putting forth an expectation of what he thought their character should be in those type of surroundings. Lambs. Someone say lambs. Lambs. Because if they can follow the slain lamb to be slain, the lamb to be slain, perhaps they can lead as lambs among wolves. It's imperative, church family. It's imperative, church world. That during these times, we stay as lambs. As we stay as lambs among wolves. I have seen the atrocities of these times. I've seen leader rise against leader. People have combated on social media outlets over every issue under the sun that pertains to these moments. Churches has spoken negatively about other houses of worship of the same thing. I repeat, though our environment may be wolves, our character needs to stay as lambs. That's how he sent them, and that's how he intended them to be, as lambs. 
Oh God. Many people over time, and I perhaps have, have ignorantly done it before, but we have talked about how dumb sheep are. And if we're not careful, we can almost make the statement of the dumbness of sheep as a free get out of jail card than for any activity that sheep do. But they talk about dumb sheep. But consider this, if you will. If sheep are so dumb, why is it that they have survived domestication? For that matter, being one of the first animals to ever be domesticated for thousands of years if they are so dumb. Someone say amen. Because inherently, listen to pastor tonight, and across the world, inherently, sheep have a flocking instinct. It is a community-based survival mechanism where they've learned that strength is in numbers and survival increases together rather than separated and alone. In these times, we need to go among the wolves as sheep. I'm not pitted against you, and you're not pitted against me. My instinct tells us we'll survive this thing. If we'll yoke up together, arm to arm, wool against wool, if we'll hold the characterization as lambs. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hallelujah. Because attacking one another isn't the answer right now. Slandering one another and backbiting and gossiping and telling lies on one another or even if it is the truth that the other did, it's still not acceptable right now. It's not the answer right now in these moments. Yes, I'm not ignorant. I'm not blind. Yes, this is a volatile time, but we must remember our role as the lamb and not the wolf. We're the lambs and not the wolves. We got to draw strength from one another. We got to encourage one another. We got there are many predators of sheep. There are such like coyotes, wolves, foxes, bears, dogs, eagles, bobcats, mountain lions, and the list could continue on. There are many predators of sheep. And I've, I've studied, I looked. Sheep are defenseless and they have no means of protecting themselves. Their only protection is to stay together. They don't have a defense mechanism. They don't, they don't have a, a pointing in on their tail like a scorpion. They don't have a claw to scratch the eye out of some predator. No, the only defense mechanism they have is staying together. That's the reason why the word says woe unto the sheep that if the shepherd is smote, the sheep scatter. You've broken down the mechanism of their defense. If they're not together, they are easy prey. We must stand together in these hours. We must, oh yes. Hallelujah. You say, well, Brother McGee, Brother McGee, that's fine and great. But what about if they're among wolves? I'm telling you, then their best mechanism for defense, even among predators, is still to remain together while they are among them. 
I'll tell you right now, there's churches that's being split over the past few months. There's people that's lost faith in their pastors and in their church, and they'll go somewhere else when it's all said and done. But we were sent as lambs. Notice the scripture going further. In Luke chapter number 10, he sent them as lambs among wolves. Look what the Bible says in verse 8. And he says, in whatsoever city you enter, he says, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them, look at this now, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. He says, but in whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not. He said, go your ways out into the streets of the same city, even the dust, uh, and say, even the dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. But look what the scripture says. Notwithstanding. In other words, in spite of that, notwithstanding, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. I want you to notice this. In other words, whether their message in their presence was accepted or whether their message in their presence was rejected, the same was the same. The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Can I tell you, church family, in church tonight, that we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And whether the places that we are or where we are presently in society, if they receive us, great. If they don't receive us, again, whatever the outcome may be, the ultimate goal wasn't always just reception or rejection. The ultimate goal was this, so that whenever it's all said and done, they will be able to realize that the kingdom of God, whether they were the rejecters or the acceptors, that they would know that the kingdom of God has been approached has come unto them. Now I ask you, will they know that if we have a character outside of being a lamb? Oh God. Because if the king of the kingdom is a lamb, if the king of the kingdom is a lamb, then the kingdom most likely, usually, takes on the attributes of its king. Someone say amen. In other words, lamb-like qualities. Someone say hallelujah. The world, the cities, the towns, the villages, America, Illinois, Mount Carmel, however, however much you wish to narrow the field, they will never know they've been approached by the kingdom of God if we as its ambassadors are not lamb-like in our portrayal. In retrospect, will those that received us not believe they missed or mistaken the kingdom of God if we're coming across as wolves, see, listen to me today, folks. Sheep, I've done a little studying on sheep here. Sheep have a wide field of vision. All right? 
They have a wide field of vision. As a matter of fact, you notice the sheep, its eyes are set usually on, usually, unless there's some mutation, set on the sides of its head. And so it gives a, a, a lamb or a sheep a wide field of vision. They have a 191 to 306 degree field of vision, depending upon the amount of wool that's upon their body, maybe clipsing their eyes over here on the side. They have that type of vision. However, depending upon that amount of wool and everything else, but more so just because of nature, they have poor depth perception. Listen to me. What that means is this. They can see a lot around them, but they just can't see the details. What that is, is we got some lambs talking about stuff that they only can see to a certain depth. They see everything's going on, but the real details of the matter is quite elusive to them. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. Can I tell you tonight? That the rejection even and the battles raging presently across our landscape, for some they are taking personally. Can I even go a little deeper? That even the church in some areas are taking it personally. Oh Lord. Jesus, this isn't about us. This isn't about the church per se. It's about who we're following. Amen. We, oh God, I'm trying, Lord. We've inflated our importance if it's viewed solely about us as a more personal attack rather than attack on our God. Well, someone say glory. The Bible says a little later in Luke 10 and verse number 16, He that heareth you, Jesus said, heareth me. He that despiseth you, despiseth me. He that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. You know what Jesus is trying to tell them? He's trying to tell them this. If they reject you, don't take it personal. They're rejecting me. Don't take it personal. They're rejecting me. Hallelujah. Folks, leading up to Jesus' explanation about the cost, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to be good to y'all tonight. I tried to watch my P's and Q's this morning. Get out. Uh, leading up to the, 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 the explanation of the cost of discipleship to these folks, Jesus had set his face to go to Jerusalem. He had set his face to pass by, amen, Samaria. And there, notice the scripture. Now, I'm going to read it to you. I got verses tonight that I I said, you know what? I'm not just going to tell the story. I'm going to read it in the ears of the people. And he sent messengers. Here it is now. Not behind him, but before him. Uh-huh. To go on to the Samaria to prepare for his coming. Look what the Bible says. This is amazing to me. This is all just in Luke 9 and 10 that I'm conveying to you this evening. The Bible says in verse 51, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. This is Jesus setting his face to go to Jerusalem. And sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Why? Because he says, I want you to lead now and I'm going to follow. And the Bible says in verse 53, and they did not receive him. 
the Samaritan village because his face, Jesus, was set as though they could tell. He was preoccupied. He was set to go to Jerusalem. In verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they saw the rejection. They said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven? We're not putting up with this. They shouldn't do that. That's not right, Lord. Should we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? In verse 55, and Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, ye know not what manner of spirit Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are. Don't stop there. You are up. Look at verse 56. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so we have the, the, the they're leading, and Jesus is following, coming behind them. He was to follow, and they're leading, and they're making ready for him. And the village did not receive him. And so James and John gets in their spirit. Do you want us to call fire down and destroy them? And Jesus says, no. He says, because you old boys are not conscious about the type of spirit that you're exhibiting right now. You're not acting like lambs. You're not acting like lambs. It's not a lamb spirit that's upon you right now. The Bible speaks of Jesus here. He had to straighten him, them up. He had to put them back in alignment with the mission. I'll give you a little secret. I endeavor to be, and I don't always get it right. The reason why I try not to be a reactionary preacher is because of this. Because sometimes things just happen that distract us from what the real mission is. Jesus said, I've not come to destroy them. Like you're wanting to destroy them, we're here to save them. But we can't simultaneously destroy them and save them. Amen. As lambs among wolves. For lambs that are fenced in, particularly lambs that are fenced in with an electrical fence, it is advised for the owner to set the electrical fence at the height of the ears and the mouth. Just follow me here for a minute. Because since the majority of their bodies are covered with wool, their sensitivity to touch is deadened almost on every other area of their body. The only way to get their attention is sometimes to have an electrical charge upon their lips. And upon their ears. Someone hearing me right now? What I'm saying is this, sometimes as sheep, we need a little impulse to take place upon what we're trying to say. 
and what we're giving our ear to listen to. Just speak as a shepherd. Let me speak as a sheep. There's been stuff go out our mouth, whether literally or through tight fingers sometimes. That was not the characterization of lambs. And there's things that we gave our ears to listen to and to digest in our spirits. That was not the characterization of a lamb. Jesus leaves. I'm running toward close. His lambs before was Jesus leaves such a perfect example at the cross. The very example that Isaiah prophesied of that would be the case. He said in Isaiah 53 and verse 7, he says, speaking of Jesus, prophesying ahead, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, Sister Milligan. Yet he opened not his mouth. We're, we're following him. Cross daily, where's it leading to this location? Brother McGee, there's affliction. Yeah, there's oppression. Yeah, but let's look at the response of the lamb. He opened not his mouth. He is brought as, Isaiah says, a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before her shearers is dumb. What is a sheep brought before the shearers? He's not opened his mouth. At, at, at slaughtering or shearing. Now you can only kill a lamb once, but you can shear it several times. For that matter, I'll tell you this, it's necessary for a lamb to be sheared. Because if it keeps the weight of the production of its own life upon itself, it will get matted down with manure and dirt until the weight is too much for it to walk. So shearing is necessary. But the Bible says Christ even was not opening up his mouth. He opened not his mouth. Brother McGee, I just don't know. These are hard times. These are affliction times. And, uh, you know, the government's behind it. And maybe China's in on it. And, you know, no, 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 no. And the dialogue goes and it intensifies day by day by you read your news feeds and it changes every so moment. And there's new. I just know, Brother McGee. Oh, the church, the church, the church. Let me just give you a little factoid right here. No reason to be worried about the church. Oh, but Brother McGee, the clouds, the darkness, the whatever. No need to be worried about the church. It is according to nature. Listen to me well. Most sheep birth lambs in the night season. Lambing, which is the birthing of sheep, that usually takes place at night. Now listen to me very carefully. And I, I'm, I'm hastening to a close. Before that you, that E-W-E, before that you will give birth to a lamb, the shepherd will typically shear the sheep. And one of the reasons, Brother Mason, why he shears the sheep before the birth, oh God, Bishop, when I read this, is because those new babies that are born 
can confuse matted together wool as a teat on the lamb that it should get milk and nourishment from. And if it grabs its mouth around that matted wool, it gets no nourishment and is subject to death if it's constantly confused that that's where nourishment comes from. So the shepherd says, we can't have that happening. It's about ready to give birth. And in order for this to be proper, we got to shear the sheep. I don't know if you feel a razor on you right now, but there might be a shearing because a lambing is about to take place and God doesn't want there to be any confusion where the nourishment comes from. And so God, as lambs, we stand among wolves. Yes. You stand with me tonight. That whole outlook may look different for another animal, but for lambs, it requires the shearing. That may look different for a wolf, but for a lamb, it requires the shearing. Taking the blade, just keep your mouth shut. As he's taking the blade, just keep your mouth shut. Because you might not be seeing the details of the matter. You might understand you're pregnant, but you don't quite understand it's time to deliver. Because from my, what I've read, they say that the lamb is the one, as with most, the lamb is the one that determines the hour of the birth. Mama, not mama, but the one in the womb. We got to maintain a characterization, church, family, and abroad in our world tonight. You're home and you're sick and you're watching. We got to maintain the characterization of a lamb among wolves. Don't be deterred from the mission. Don't come out with your guns of fire with of destruction. Boom, boom, boom. I'll take care of this. I'll tell them what I think, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Just keep your mouth shut so that whenever this is all said and done, they will have known that the kingdom of God has come near to them. Can we begin to pray right now this evening across this building, across the airways of the internet? Can prayers start to be uttered to the Lord? God, you have called me, Lord, to follow you to a cross. And because I've taken up that endeavor, you feel like you can entrust me to go as a lamb among the wolves. Help me, oh God, Lord, to keep the characterization of a lamb among wolves. Our musicians may come tonight. Help me, Lord. Hallelujah. Touch my mouth when it needs to be touched. Touch my ears, God, when they need to be touched. Help me, God, not to be digesting things with my eyes and my ears that fall outside of the lines of the characterization of a lamb. We are lambs among wolves. Listen, we're lambs among wolves. It is the character of a wolf. They combat and they jockey for dominance in their pack. That's where you get alpha males and alpha females. They do that. That's within it. And a pack of wolves is not usually the context of their family. Are you hearing me? Fred, you have your opinions. I have my opinions. But I'm not trying 
I'm not trying to have Lord dominance over you with my opinion right now. That's the character of a wolf. I'm a sheep right now. They're saying, I'm going to try to stay as close to Brother Fred as I can because this is the only defense mechanism we got. I'm going to try to close, stay close to Sister Grace as much as I can. Regardless what's, I feel the blade of the, 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 the shears upon me, but something's telling me lambing, lambing season is upon us. It's dark. That's when it usually happens. We should go forth as lambs among wolves. Oh, Lord Jesus, these altars are open tonight. Or if you want your pew to be an altar, I pray. Let it be your prayer that God help me to keep the right attitude during shearing time. Help me keep the right attitude during shearing time. Help me, oh God. Because there's a world around here. There's wolves. There's, there's other entities around here beyond us. <laughs> That they need to see the characterization of a lamb among them. How can I get them to fall in love with the lamb of God. If I won't portray lamb like qualities as a church. Unto my society. Unto my world. Unto those that do not agree with me. But are trying to push dominance upon me. I must be a lamb. <laughs> I must be a lamb among wolves. Let us talk to God one more time. The Masons are preparing a song. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. I've proven nothing if I've proved my point. But if I've loved like He loved, if I've been compassionate like He is, Oh, Brother McGee, what about judgment and all this? And it will come. Are you hearing me? It will come. But I'll leave that to the Lamb of God. When he shows up, he will be as the line of the tribe of Judah. But John, in the book of Revelation, when we speaking about, though, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the Bible says he cast his eyes over there, and he's seen, as it were, a lamb that had been slain. Because before he was ever the lion, he was the lamb. Why don't we just be lambs right now? The lion day will come, but we need to leave people with the, the impression that the kingdom of God has been close to them. The kingdom of God has been nigh them. The kingdom of God has had conversation with them. The kingdom of God has sat in their office at their business, Brother Fred. The kingdom of God has been near to them. Lambs among wolves. Hallelujah. Can we play something right now? Sing. If you need to pray, let's pray. Come on, let's just search our souls. God, I want to be a lamb among wolves. I want to be as you sent me, as you intended me to be. Hold up, Baba.
God, sing those words tonight from the depths of your heart. We'll follow you there. We know the where. We'll follow you there. And we'll go as you have sent us as lambs. We'll go as you have sent us as lambs. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you can stand with me tonight, I will pray. Amen. Over us, with us here this evening. And then I'll turn this over to my wife to give us some direction. Amen. Concerning the tables in the back, but <sighs> Hallelujah. God, I come to you tonight. God, I pray that my I pray, God, that my spirit was right. Lord, and that which I conveyed here this evening. God, for the benefit of us staying attached to the real mission God and not to misrepresent it not to flaw it contaminate it by our human hands God to be as you've intended us to be understanding God the environment following you comes suffering and persecution and things that are not always conducive to the way that we think life should be but in the moment maintaining the character of a lamb because there is a world that's in need of the kingdom of God God, it's my desire to be found as a lamb, even among wolves. Lord, if that's the station you sent me to be in, then that's the station, God, I hope and endeavor to keep. Lord, until you come again. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Sister McGee's going to come. Amen. We do want to. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.